Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. As we dive into our teaching text today, I want to just begin by asking maybe a little unique question. We're going to work with it a little bit, but as you would think about your favorite scripture verse, I would ask you, this is my kind of unique question, have you ever thought about your least favorite scripture verse? You ever thought about your least favorite? I mean, our favorites might come pretty quickly, right? Maybe. I, I reached out to a few of you this week and just said, hey, what's your favorite? And man, it's just some awesome truth and awesome verses. Uh, Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, Woo! for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Good news. Good news. Two people had uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. Thank you, Jesus. It's good news. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. What would your favorite verse be? If you're a little bit like me, it might not be the easiest question because I want to bring like six to the table, right? I, I struggle to narrow down to just one. But as you would find comfort in those passages and strength in a time of need, what, what maybe would you say would be your least favorite? And what I mean by that is what are some of the verses that make you uncomfortable, that challenge you, that cut across the grain of your life and you know it? What are some of those verses? One for me is Matthew 7.21. Jesus is teaching, uh, and he's talking to uh, some people that had been a part of the church. They had seen great moves of God, taken part in many mighty things. And he says these words. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. That one messes with me. As someone who spends a lot of time in the church and has seen a lot of cool stuff. That one challenges me. And that's not the only challenging thing Jesus said, right? I mean, he had a fair share of these teachings. He, he said things like, uh, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, if you look at a global economic scale, the United States is a wealthy, rich nation. That's sobering. That's sobering. How about, how about this one? When he said that if you're angry with someone, if you hate someone, it's equal with murder in God's eyes. Does anybody drive 33? Okay. How many people did you murder in God's eyes this week? 
you see, this is real. Like, this is hard. And Jesus' teachings are full of this. Full of this. So we don't have to look far. We don't have to look uh, hard for Scripture that confronts us head on with the deep recesses of our heart or confronts us with our sin. We don't have to look far. And if we're honest, it's easy to label those verses as our less than favorites, right? But we can't erase them. We can't ignore them because they're God's truth. They're his word for us, and we want the whole counsel of his word. So we must sit in that uncomfortableness, in that challenge as followers of Jesus because we believe that the Bible is divinely inspired and it perfectly reveals God's will for our salvation and our lives here as his disciples. So we must sit in those uncomfortable passages as well as the favorite ones. We can't ignore them. We need to sit there in some of that awkward space and allow God to search our hearts with the truth of his word. Today, uh, on our way to Passion Week, to the Easter season, we're beginning a four-part teaching series called The Tough Sayings of Jesus. Throughout this series, we uh, are going to seek to navigate our way through some of Jesus' hardest words, his most challenging teachings, yeah, the uncomfortable ones. Because you see, in this journey, in Jesus' teaching, he wasn't just trying to, you know, boost his social media likes and follows, right? He was communicating truth. He was uh, painting portraits of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. So our, our goal in this series is not to somehow make these hard teachings something easier to swallow. Uh, 2,000 years ago, they were radical and they were hard, and guess what? Today, they're still radical and they're still hard, and they're going to be long after this series. But I believe this is true. I, I believe that if we'll humble ourselves if we'll earnestly seek him and seek to understand his teaching and what Jesus is calling us to, I believe there is transformation in his teaching. I believe that there's grace upon grace available that we might repent, that we might seek forgiveness and live differently in light of the truth that Jesus is teaching us, the uncomfortable truth. I believe we can be transformed in his likeness. I want you to turn today, if you will, if you have your copy of Scripture, to Matthew chapter 5. Our series begins with a, a pretty basic teaching, but yet pretty tough teaching. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. Uh, context of this, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. This is really where he lays out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to live in his kingdom uh, as you would follow him. And he says in verse 43, he says, You have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So, so just try this on for size. The, the person that frustrates you, that's out to get you, uh, that maybe steals your favorite dessert from the work refrigerator, the person who uh, discredits everything you say in the meetings or at school, love them. Love them. 
The, the person maybe that rear-ended you at the stoplight or the person that embarrassed you in front of your friends or who took advantage of your kindness. Uh, the person who actually likes it when you have bad things happen to you. That person, your enemy, love them. Pray for them. Tough, right? Just close your eyes for a minute and imagine this with me. Imagine the person that instantly, you know, knows your button and pushes on it, that maybe stole your dessert from the refrigerator, that maybe rear-ended you or takes advantage of you. Picture that person right now, your enemy in your mind. Now, imagine the nail-scarred hand of Jesus coming upon your shoulder, and he looks at you, and he looks at your enemy, and he looks back to you and says, I need you to love them. I need you to love them. How does that make you feel? It's tough, right? It's tough. I think, especially with this teaching, how short it is. <laughs> I mean, essentially three words. I think that makes it easy to read over it, to blow past it, if you will, and not sit under the weight of its uncomfortableness and its implications. And so that's really what this teaching today is about. That's what this series is about, is that we, we really want to allow this teaching in the spirit of Jesus to search us. So, so our, our goal is to, is to slow down to reflect, to pray, and yes, to repent. Let's pray together. Um, Father in heaven, uh, these are your words. Um, they're, they're your teaching, Lord Jesus, and we are your people. <laughs> so this teaching is for us. This teaching is for me. So God, uh, our desire today is that we would hear your truth we want to know uh, what you meant when you said it, uh, no matter how uncomfortable that makes us today, Lord. Because we know that you are good and that you desire good things for those who follow you and you desire to transform us, Lord, even when it hurts. And so, Lord, today we want to slow down. We want to humble ourselves before you, before your truth and your teaching. We want to maybe repent, Lord, if that's what you're calling us to. We want to live differently in light of who you are. So, Lord, help us to know the full measure of what it means to love our enemies. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, you'll notice as you would turn to this scripture that Jesus begins by saying, uh, you have heard it said. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So Jesus is dressing, he's kind of hitting head on a saying or a philosophy that had become common or popular in his time. Now, love your neighbor, you can find that across scripture essentially, uh, but explicitly in Leviticus 19.18. Uh, but no matter how hard you look, you will not explicitly find hate your enemies. And so that idea uh, arose through the Old Testament times, and it kind of became the acceptable thing, even the noble religious thing, to hate those who are outside of God's people, the Gentile nations. And so that's the world that Jesus is stepping into. That's the world that he's teaching. Hate had kind of become a common currency, even a noble thing to partake in. And that's who Jesus is saying, love your enemies. 
And friends, again, in all the uncomfortableness, can we just say and be honest that maybe this is our world today? That it's kind of become okay to hate other people that we disagree with. I mean, it's totally acceptable, right, by world standards to say hurtful or nasty things on our social media account against those people. Right? We will make fun or belittle or dehumanize someone, especially if they didn't vote the same way we did. You see, when we do that, we we are allowing, we're participating in hating of our neighbors, our enemies. And if we were to really be soul-searching, I think we even find it hard to love, truly love other Christians that don't quite align totally with our beliefs. We kind of jump into the role of the Holy Spirit, if you will, trying them in our courts. You see, this is not a back then or a them over there problem. This is a me problem. This is a you problem. This is an us challenge in teaching today. This is an us thing. And it's, Jesus says, he says, I, I know you've seen it modeled. I know you've, you've kind of seen it everywhere and you've heard that it was okay. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you want to be in my kingdom, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, to follow after me is to love your enemies, to pray earnestly for them. Don't curse them. Don't cut them off. Pursue their good. Pursue love. And the word here uh, uh, for love in this text makes it even more uncomfortable. The word there is agapao, and Jamie, offer please a better translation after the service. Agapao, see, uh, we have one English word for love. Like we love fried chicken like we love our mama and our wife, right? One word encompasses all these things. But the Greek language teases that out a little bit. And this word agapao here is deep love. So it's not that you just put up with your enemy. Uh, it's not like you bite your tongue or you just grin and bear it till they leave. Introverts, I got you. It doesn't mean that we even pull on the warm and fuzzies. No, the love that Jesus is talking about for our enemies, that he's commanding for his people, is active. It's pursuing. It's seeking the good of the other person. It's sacrificial. It's long-suffering. And it's persevering. Love. Your enemies, and, and, and I, I think that in its most basic sense, and I think this is why this is so important, in its most basic sense, this type of love is how God has loved each one of us sacrificially with persevering grace. Because as, as we would struggle to wrap our minds around this and to understand, uh, we, we need to remember we were once enemies of God. We've been the recipients of God's love when we were enemies of his. Romans 5.8, Paul says, uh, God demonstrates his own love. So God's showing what his love is like in life and action. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners... 
While we were opposed to God, while we were shaking our fist in his face, while we were living in defiance of him, disagreeing with him, Christ died for us. We were enemies of God. But his love moved. His love took the step to see us found. Paul says later there in verse 10, he says, for while we were God's enemies. See, there's no doubt in Paul's mind. While we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. That's love. That's love. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So the call of Jesus here in Matthew 5, the call to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is saying, love like God has loved you. Love like God has loved you. And see, this loving your enemies is really having the family resemblance of the Father. We just sang about and find great comfort in being children of the King. Well, to love like this is to look like God's family. It's the jersey of God's kingdom is love, if you will. Look what he says uh, there in verse 45. Uh, But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, we don't become God's children by loving our enemies. That's not what he's saying here. Uh, We know that we become God's children by grace through faith in the blood of Jesus. But how we show that, how we show and live our family resemblance, our new life in Christ, shows up in loving our enemies. Because that's how the Father loves. Look where he says next. He says, He, God, causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Do you know that you cannot tell by a person's garden if they're a follower of Jesus or not? You can't. You can't. Why? Because God sends rain and sun. He causes the plants to grow on the evil and the good. What Jesus is doing is pulling an agricultural metaphor that was all around the people. And he's saying, look, you can't tell by someone's field whether they're a follower or not. Because God lavishly pours out grace upon grace upon grace to even those who are his enemies. He causes the sun to shine and the rain to fall, even upon his enemies. And so that's the portrait. That's the picture Jesus is painting here saying, love like that. Love like that. Verse 46, he he continues. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? You see, in shadow of of tough sayings of Jesus, in that uncomfortable kind of feeling that some of these scriptures give us, I I think it's easy and we often, I I recognize it in my own life, try to offer a quick concession, right? A feel-good concession. For an instance... Love your enemies. Well, man, I, I kind of do okay loving most people on most days. Isn't that good enough? 
I can, you know, get along with the people I get along with most of the time. I'm doing okay. See, a concession, right? A concession. We want to uh, appeal to a lesser standard of love than what God has just presented. We want to appeal to the world standard to try to convince ourselves that this teaching's for somebody else. But that uncomfortableness is for somebody else. But no, it's for us. Because look, Jesus cuts that off. He cuts that concession idea off at the past. He cuts that off when he says, if you love like that, if you love like the world loves, if you just simply love, if you look to that worldly standard, you're really showing no sign of being a follower of Jesus. And so when we try to sidestep, we're really showing no love or following of Jesus. Because he's saying, look, look, the, the rest of the world does that. Whoopee! Big deal if that's what you can pull off. But to be a follower of the king is to love sacrificially, persevering, to desire the good of even your enemies. Jesus doesn't give us any wiggle room in this teaching. Look at the way he finishes there in verse 48. He says, be perfect. Ooh. Right? I mean, that word, <laughs> this could have been its own tough teaching section. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, the, the idea of perfect here carries the, an idea of, of completeness, of being fulfilled. And so Jesus is saying that our love is, is to go on to completeness, fullness, as it's been displayed in the Father. Our standard, our tape measure by which we're to measure our love is to be God's tape measure. It's to be his rule, not the world's. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I told you this series is called The Tough Sayings of Jesus, <laughs> right? How are we doing? How are we doing? You with me? <laughs> it's hard stuff. This is the beginning of the journey. Over the next couple weeks, we're going to take a look at some other challenging sayings of Jesus. Please come back. <laughs> Don't take this as a warning. You don't, can't show up for the next three weeks. We're, we're going to look at some tough sayings, uh, like when, when Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. When Jesus said, you cannot, you absolutely cannot serve God and money. Or how about when he says, you must take up your cross and follow me. Look, and the point of all this is not just to beat you up so you leave church with black eyes. Like, that's not what this is about. That's not what Jesus was hoping to accomplish. He, he's revealing truth. He's revealing an invitation to go deeper, to allow the Spirit's work to go farther than we've ever seen him go in our hearts before, to open ourselves completely to him, to his kingdom, and be his children. And friends, that's sometimes an uncomfortable process. Because it goes to the deep recesses of who we are that we would rather not go ourselves. 
This is an invitation. This series is an invitation to go deeper and and more committed, farther by God's grace in your relationship with Jesus. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. We want to live different in light of his teaching, in light of who he is and who he's inviting us to be. In 2023, 414 Southeast Side Highway, we want to be followers of Jesus. To live lives so radical, so different, that we love even our enemies. Who are the them? Who are those people over there in your life right now? Your enemy. See, the challenge of this teaching, of sitting under its weight, is that our commitment to Jesus, to his kingdom, must override our disgust or our disdain for our enemies. It must. Who's your enemy right now? Who are the Gentiles, the outsiders that God is calling you to love, to be gracious towards, to seek the good of? Will you respond to Jesus' teaching? His call to love even your enemies. Look, there's some things this text doesn't mean. And they're important. To love your enemies doesn't mean that we're to subject ourselves to abuse at the hand of another. That's not loving your enemy. If you were a parent and um, you found out that the, the babysitter your child was at or that daycare had been abusing your child, you find that out. Court system happens, the court day comes, found guilty. Babysitter comes up and says, will you forgive me? You forgive them. Nothing about loving your enemies says you have to send your child back to that babysitter. You know, that's not what loving your enemies means. We can love our enemies and still stand up for justice. Uh, We can love our enemies and, and we can believe in discipline. We can love our enemies and not accept sin or practices that are averse to our faith. I mean, we see in the life of Jesus that he cleared the temple pretty radically. He flipped the tables of the money changers. And yet it's his life that is a perfect example of enemy love. And and probably, if I was to be honest, one of my greatest challenges and and, uh, uh, uncomfortable feelings with this is that Matthew doesn't hit Paul's right here and give us a six-page discourse about how to live this in our everyday lives, right? When you encounter this enemy, love this way. This enemy, love, like, right? Because we would memorize that list and we would narrow it down. But see, Jesus is teaching and saying, no, 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 look, be so transformed, be so committed to following Jesus, be so in tune with my spirit that you lead every moment, every circumstance by grace and mercy for others. The call of the passage is that our natural position is not to just be neutral. Our natural position as followers of Jesus is to be leaning in, leaning forward in love, not in judgment. Not seeking vengeance, but mercy in our lives. That's to be our default, our go-to posture. To love as God has loved us. 
It's tough. It's tough. But he is faithful. And he who calls you is worthy. I believe as challenging as this is, um, when we do see it, when we see this in our world, I think something within us, even maybe at a heart level, recognizes its power. The power of an upside-down kingdom that loves enemies. Uh, if you were here last week, you, you may recall Pastor Billy shared a video of a woman who forgave and w- was seeking the good of her husband's uh, killers, her, his, her husband's attackers. And that's radical grace, right? That was in the context of forgiveness. And I want to share a clip today that takes this maybe even part two uh, because there's a relationship, there's a tie between forgiveness and loving your enemy. I think those two go like this. So today, I just invite you to lean in and to, to watch this clip and just watch the power of love over uh, the long term, of persevering love for someone you'd probably rather just disagree with. They were the bitterest of enemies. For more than a decade, here on the streets of Milwaukee, two men shared a mutual disgust. One was a hard-nosed cop named Ray Robakowski. I wasn't a social worker, I was a police officer. My job was to take care of what we needed to be taken care of. Which is why you didn't like him. Oh, definitely didn't. The other, a drug dealer and gangbanger named Jacob Macklin. Jacob got arrested so many times, you can watch him grow old in his mug shots. And it was that career thug and this officer who sat down one day over a cup of coffee. The district attorney's office arranged it. The meeting was to see if cop and criminal could work together and come up with a way to get out of this vicious cycle. But neither guy was buying it. Ray was only here because his boss made him come, and Jacob was tricked into coming, told he had a job interview. So they basically just glared at each other the entire time. What were you thinking? You're going to screw up, and I'm going to find you and put you back. He was dead set on putting you back in jail. Yeah. I'm glad he changed his mind. Well, you changed his mind. Yeah. Eventually, over the next couple months, Jacob proved to Ray that he wanted to get a job and turn his life around. He sent me on maybe 14 or 15 interviews in two weeks, and one of them was Community Warehouse. Community Warehouse is a nonprofit home improvement store that hires ex-cons and teaches them job skills. Which one did they pay for? Jacob started working here eight years ago and is now on the management team. To this day, he can't thank Ray enough. You're grateful? Very, very, very. Oh, man, very. He said very very at least half a dozen times. Very much so. And as for that very helpful cop, he retired from the police force last year. But you still wanted to work. You wanted a job. Yeah. So who did you turn to for work? Oh, (laughs) Jacob Macklin. (laughs) And he laughed. Now he held the cards. But, um, I mean, I wanted to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Through Community Warehouse, with his new friend Jacob, Ray has now helped more than a dozen other ex-cons leave their past behind. Is Ray a different guy than he was when you first met him? Oh, definitely. Don't say that too loud. (laughs) Pretty loud. (laughs) Jacob, of course, is equally unrecognizable. Today, his only high-speed chases are around swing sets. He's got four kids and has vowed the cycle stops with him. All proof that if you can find the trust, sometimes your enemies 
can be your best allies. Steve Hartman, on the road in Milwaukee. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't be surprised if you don't have a run-in with an enemy this week. Don't be surprised. But when that happens, and maybe even in this room today, as God is moving, as his spirit is calling, as he's showing you places in your heart, will you commit to loving them as God has loved you? That's the invitation. With all of its questions, (laughs) with all of its challenges, all of its uncomfortableness, you embrace Jesus in this place will you embrace Jesus in the call to love your enemies and trust that he is good trust that he is inviting you closer deeper maybe than you've ever been before will you trust him today Father in heaven, we thank you for your great love today. Lord, that while we were uh, enemies of you, Lord, while we were living in opposition, uh, shaking our fist in your face, God, your provenient grace was drawing us. You never gave up on us, God. Because your love is a love that covers even your enemies. And so, Lord, today, as we hear that invitation, Lord, to experience that love for ourselves and to show it to others, God, it's your love, it's your grace, it's all by you, Lord, but we want to hold in tension our responsibility to live this way in the nitty-gritty, the messy of our lives. So, Lord, today... Will you fill our hearts with your presence? Lord, we turn away from the people that we have become okay with hating. Lord, will you forgive us? Give us strength to love. Give us strength to love, God. Will you continue to search our hearts, Lord? Yes, convict us, Lord in the places that we're not loving like you. And Lord, when we have an appointment with an enemy this week, may your spirit be quick to remind us of your call. Three simple words. To love your enemy. Come Holy Spirit and search our hearts. Transform us, God, that we can live precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at 
www.ebcbaptistchurch.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.